mentioned earlier, our Old Testament lesson from Jonah, chapter 3, will serve as the basis for the sermon this morning. You know, how far we've come over the years with technology. You think about it, from the earliest days of communicating on stone tablets to the earliest telephones, to what we have today with these cell phones in different sizes, shapes, and forms, right? And we've become well advanced. In fact, one of the features that we relish today is caller ID. Gotta love it. I love that, that feature. I can now vet who I want to take a phone call from. And I also, you know, look at these other features that we have. We have things like call forwarding. I want that one. I'm going to forward that on to somebody else, right? Or um, one of my favorite features is block caller ID. I don't even have to get the call from anymore. I can just blacklist somebody on here. That's great, right? That's what we've come with technology these days. These features allow us to screen out those unwanted calls, block the ones we don't want to wish to hear from, and help us decide what calls we deem worth taking. Because at the end of the day, what exactly is a call? It's a communication of messages. That's all a call really is, right? It's And our technology allows us to decide what messages we want to hear. And that's what I want to ponder with you this morning. The nature of a call, because let's be honest, we don't always like the calls that we receive. As I began to ponder the nature of this call, I was kind of reminded of an old Aesop fable that I once heard. It was entitled, The Goose and the Falcon. And it goes something like this. One day there was this goose that was roaming around this farmstead, and he sensed that his sacrifice was at hand. And so as he roamed around the farm, he kept pretty low-key. He kept away from all the farm hands and all the kitchen staff and everybody else and just kind of stayed on the, you know, as an outlier around the farm. And he felt this way because one day he had, you know, days earlier, he had looked through the kitchen window in that farmhouse and saw all of his companions being prepped and being ready to put on a spit to go into the fire. So now he felt his heightened sense that his sacrifice was at hand. The falcon that was on the farm noticed this and said to the goose one day, he goes, man, how hard of hearing, how deaf and dumb and slow you must be to not hear when you're called, to not see when you're wanted. And the goose said, ah, to the falcon. He said, if you falcons were like us geese, and knew that when you were called and coaxed and clucked, you know, and, and all these things to bring you forward because you were going to go on a spit to the fire, you'd be every bit as deaf, dumb, and slow as we are. And the moral of that whole fable is that the nature of the calling makes all the difference in the world as to how one responds to that calling. Some ways, I kind of think Jonah's like this goose. When you think about that, I wonder how he felt when God came calling on him. For most people, Jonah's connected with getting swallowed up by a fish. But the book of Jonah is so much more than that story of Jonah and the whale. And today we pick up in our reading right dead center of the action. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Well, isn't that something? A second time? If you know the story of Jonah and the whale, then you know what happened the first time God came calling to Jonah. In Jonah verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But what did Jonah do? 
he rose to flee to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. I'll contrast that calling with Jesus in our gospel lesson today as Jesus calls out to Simon and Andrew, to James and to John. What happens there? When Jesus calls to them, they drop what they're doing and they follow Jesus. They didn't pack up their nets and run away. They didn't make a furious rowing of their boat to the opposite shore away from this itinerant preacher. They didn't jump into the water and get swallowed up by a fish either. Now, Jonah, though, doesn't leave what he's doing and follow God's calling. He goes and jumps in a boat, goes in the opposite direction for where God wanted to send him. It was like Jonah was that goose. Go to Nineveh, you say? <laughs> Go to the destroyers of Israel? Perhaps... Go to my death? Uh, Jonah wasn't having any part of this calling. So away on a boat he went. Into the water he went. Into the belly of a whale he went. Away from God, he thought he went. And if you know the rest of the story, then you know that as Jonah is in a fish, doused in water, and well, God knows only what else was in the belly of that whale, Jonah finds himself in trouble, deeply troubled, and he begins to say a prayer. Here are some of the verses from the prayer that Jonah says. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. I love the words that, that Jonah uses here. You see, in ancient times, the sea was a symbol for chaos and danger. That's kind of what Jonah was feeling. Yet even in the midst of all this, in the midst of, of, of whale blubber and <laughs> seawater and chaos and turmoil, God hears Jonah's prayer. And what's the fish do? He vomits right up onto the dry land out of all that trouble. Which is now where we pick up with today's story. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And this time, huh, Jonah actually obeys. Though I have to wonder if he didn't go with a guarded optimism and a bit of trepidation. What was so different about this second calling from that first calling? What was so different about the nature of it? They can, on the surface, look to be about the same type of calling, right? Maybe Jonah thought that since God called on him again, God was really going to destroy those Ninevites this time. Maybe he was going to go and actually exact some revenge. Maybe he was going to expect the demise of Nineveh to be what he was wanting it to be, to be one of epic proportions. Because if you see, if you know anything about those people from Nineveh, just that capital of the Assyrian Empire, you know that they were a brutal people. They were especially cruel to the Israelites. We can certainly see the trepidation in Jonah's actions. Jonah actually only goes one day's journey into what should have taken three full days to cover Nineveh. And he goes in about part of a day. 
maybe one day full, and he shouts out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And that was that. Poof. Perhaps the shortest sermon ever recorded. And he becomes the most successful Old Testament prophet as an entire city turns from their ways and turns back to God. Unbelievable. I'd be like drive-by Lutheranism, right? Go out there and shout the words of Martin Luther. People point out the Bible and, and everybody in Castleberry, you know, Castleberry converts. And you think that Jonah would actually be happy about all this. And yet he's the opposite. Jonah is like stark raving mad at this conversion of the city. Oh my gosh. But let me go back to what Nineveh actually did. He calls out. And Nineveh takes things, they take their repentance to the extreme. You read the rest of the story. I mean, word gets back to the king of Nineveh. And Nineveh says, put the cattle in sackcloth. All the animals go into sackcloth. Let's go to the extreme. I, I declare fasting for everybody. And God sees this. Because even the people of Nineveh, as cruel and unruly as they were, knew not to mess with God. They knew what God's wrath was all about. They weren't taking any kind of chances. They knew that, that God who was He was. It wasn't just enough to know God. It wasn't enough to just believe God's Word. It, it meant, let's, you know, let's go to the extreme, and as the king of Nineveh says, maybe God will, will, will relent. And that's exactly what God does. He turns away from His wrath against Nineveh. And Jonah gets mad. If you go to the very next chapter, at the beginning of it, chapter 4, Jonah says, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that You are a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Right to the heart what we're talking about regarding the nature of a call today. Now we see a big reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. It wasn't so much that, you know, that he was threatened by him, although that was probably a part of it. It was maybe perhaps that Jonah knew that Nineveh was going to turn. And at the slides turning, God was going to not punish them. Think about how we act sometimes today. When we're angry at somebody, when we expect our bosses at work to take action on somebody, when we're a sibling and we expect our parents to come down hard on our, 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 you know, our brother or our sister. Because why? We want revenge. We want, we want to be vindicated against those actions taken against us. We don't want to see God have mercy on them. God forbid that should happen. And yet, what does God do to us? Does not God have mercy with us when we turn in repentance? That's the nature of God. When Jesus called the disciples, they left and followed Him. And Christ modeled for them and for us what we are to do as His followers. What did Jesus say to Simon and Andrew? Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. We, in our Christian calling, that's the nature of it, are to model Christ, to spread the gospel, to care for people, and to forgive as God forgives us. 
It also means that at times we can be called to go to some scary places. That means that we can be called to have hard conversations with people, especially with people we love. And we can be called to love people that we don't exactly want to have anything to do with. When you look at Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God would end up relenting if Nineveh repented. And that's our human nature. To want to see punishment exacted on those who have wronged us that have hurt us. And it's not that we are not to take God's message of repentance to people. Because that's part of our calling in spreading the gospel. You can't have the gospel without the law. Gospel can't go to work without that. But it does mean that we are to do that in a loving Christian manner. It also means that we ourselves need to repent before God and experience that grace that God so freely gives us. Perhaps that's why we so often sit in our moods and act like Jonah, playing God's calling, running in the opposite direction, and trying to hide from God. We either feel threatened or we just know that God is going to relent. Sometimes that's not exactly what we want to see. So I ask you, how are we blocking God's calls to us today? Who are we holding grudges against and deeming not worthy of God's grace? Perhaps there's somebody in your life, in my life, that you and I need to think of that we are mad at, that we feel like they've hurt us, but God is calling on us to reconcile with. Maybe it's somebody we work with. Maybe it's our neighbor. Maybe it's somebody we had a business transaction with down at Publix or you know, in another store. Or somebody we go to church with even. It could even be somebody out of the blue that we've only crossed once. But whatever the case, we need to look at our own selves sometimes and ponder what we need to do to repent before we go and call on that person to repent. And like Jonah, who realized that in the belly of the fish, what he had done was wrong and prayed to God about it, we too need to do the same thing. You know, this is kind of a crude comparison, but I remember years ago, and this goes way back, uh, when my parents were living in Italy, my father was telling me about his neighbor who got into a car accident over there. Well, their legal system is totally different than ours. And when I say car accident, he wasn't even in the car. His car was parked on the side of the street outside of a cafe. But you know what? His car got sideswiped, but he got a ticket. Because in Italy, they believe that both parties are at fault. Because they don't believe that anybody's perfect. They believe that you might not have had your car parked close enough to the curb or tucked your mirrors in or something like that. And that's a crude comparison, but when you think about it, in a way, none of us are perfect, are we? In a big way, none of us are perfect. I know, at the end of the day, this is what drives a lot of us to hold those grudges and to not want to extend that grace. It also, when we block God's calls, blocks us from remembering what His grace does to us. And how liberating and free it is when we turn to Him in repentance. When we repent, God relents. He gives us His grace so freely. His Word convicts us and comforts us and frees us. And then we get to go to His holy table. 
and dine further in that grace, not only with all the saints who have been forgiven and their repentance, but with the very one who God poured his wrath out upon that was meant for you and for me. If God can relent against a people like, like Nineveh and shows those and us his unconditional grace, well, shouldn't we also show that same grace and mercy to other people, no matter what they've done? That's the nature of our Christian calling. That's part of being a fisher of men. So how will you, how will I, answer God's call to us today, tomorrow, in the weeks and the years that come? Maybe we need to drop our nets and follow God and watch in excitement as that gospel is spread and others get to participate in that same grace and mercy that you and I have. That's the nature of the calling that we have. That's the nature of the God that we have leading us.